Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you for listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast, the podcast where it's okay to be a little bit late. I'm joined by Anna Arbeles and eventually Sapphire Jewel of the band Gypsum. Anna and I get the ball rolling, and then we start over once Sapphire joins us. Gypsum is an interesting band with a great sound. The core of the band met in music school at USC. The entire project started off as an informal jam session. The core of the band is made up of the musicians that would consistently show up to these sessions. Sapphire, Anna, and drummer Jesse Reed. They came up with the name while exploring the Natural History Museum near campus. And although the band has been around since 2016, they've just recently released their debut album. Anna has been busy crafting sound for other bands, and Sapphire has been playing guitar for Cuffed Up and Illuminati Hotties. You'd think that waiting so long to record and release their debut, they'd be tempted to throw everything in the kitchen sink onto the album. But you'd be wrong. The album is close representation of their live sound showing tremendous restraint in the studio their self-titled album has just come out on vinyl so pick that up and they'll even send you a cd if you ask real nice give them a follow on instagram at gypsum underscore or on facebook give us a follow at performance annex on social media and you can help us out by checking out ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or performanceannex.threadless.com and don't forget to check out the other great podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. So let's get started with Anna and eventually Sapphire of Gypsum on Performance Anxiety. What if we tried alternating words, Sapphire? Oh my god. Well, we'd have to write down a script. No, 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 no. I think we should just, I think we should just try. All right. <laughs> Honestly, I'm down. Let's do it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start. Okay. Hey, guys. I'm Sapphire. And I'm Anna. We're from Gypsum. And you're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. The podcast where we get to talk about our new vinyl record, 
But it's not just vinyl. Well, I know, but it's on vinyl, which is sick. You can't just make a vinyl record. Okay, well, our new <laughs> album. Streaming also digitally. Wherever you get your streams. The end. The end. So is it just Where, you tonight? Whereabouts in Virginia. No, Sapphire should be joining us. I'll bother her in a minute or two if okay. she doesn't. Cool. Yeah, I am. I'm in Winchester, so I'm about 75 miles due west of DC. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm actually wearing my 9:30 Club. Oh, nice. T-shirt today. Nice. I will be there next week. I'll be shooting. So good. Yeah, I'll be shooting Mother Mother. Oh, cool. I love that venue. It's always so nice to go there. Oh, it's awesome. Some of the best concerts I've ever seen have been there. Yeah, they, they know what they're doing there for sure. Oh, yeah. Especially when you get a good LD and, and sound person. then uh, Absolutely. It's, it's one of the best clubs out there, at least in our area. Someone, oh, no. Someone was telling me, too, that like it's like the 930 club people, and there's like a promoter and like Minneapolis that does like First Ave. Okay. They're like some of the only, they're like two of the like handful of, truly independent promoters oh, in really? the country because everything just got bought up by by like live nation and yeah. ag and those those places so it's definitely a truly you know special thing to still have a spot like 9 30 doing its thing yeah it's it's we've got a couple really cool clubs out there we got so there's 9 30 there's black cat dc9 uh, it's yeah. like there's a handful of others that are just really really cool small little places to play so and uh i was a photographer for about yeah 15 years or so and uh, so i've kind of cool done it the whole time but i've kind of gotten back into doing like live music photos and mm -hmm. uh, it's depending on the venue um 9 30 is one of the best to shoot at because they've got a little pit for the photographers so there's like mm -hmm. there's like a six foot gap between the the stage and a barricade for the audience you can for sure walk in and out but you go to like the black cat you got to stake out a spot because if, once you move that's it you're, you're right up against the stage and that's it you yeah if it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. if it's a band with a following forget it <laughs> no, you're, you're, yeah. not, you're not going anywhere. Cool. So. Well, I'm glad we connected on this. Um, let yeah, me, me send Sapphire a text really quickly. Sure. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe she's like caught up with something. If not, we'll just, let's just get started. Yeah. There's no need to who, see. Who needs oh, Sapphire? she said she's running a little late. I know. Right. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let me, hold on. She said she's running. Okay. Yeah, we can get started and she can hop in whenever she's ready. But I've been listening to the album and oh my God. Gosh, it is, it's blown me away. It is so good. Oh, I'm so glad that it had that effect on you. <laughs> it was, it was you amazing. Specifically. Yeah. <laughs> well, I listened to it for the first time. My wife and I were driving and, and that was the first time I heard it. And so she heard it the first time and we both kind of like looked at each other. Mm -hmm. This is freaking awesome. Well, thank you for the kind words. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the experience. Oh, of course. It, it was, uh, if you can... When me over and my wife, that's it's not easy. We converge on some music, not mm. everything. Right on. <laughs> we love it when the Venn diagram becomes a circle. <laughs> well, I got a, I've got a, you know, a lot of questions for both of you. So well, why don't we get started 
with your background since we're sure. waiting for Sapphire and we can touch on, on her background once she hops on. I like to get to know how you got into music, how you got where you are now. Okay. Was music big in, in, in your household? Was there a lot of creativity going on in the household? What, what was your first influence? What was your first musical experience? Think, first bit of music that really caught you? And oh, looks like Sapphire's coming in here. Oh, good. <laughs> Wait, are you waiting for me? Hey. What are you waiting for? Yeah, we were waiting for you. Hello. Hi. Oh, sorry about that. I was teaching a guitar lesson and no problem. we spent way too much time talking about music theory before giving him a song. So how's it going? No problem. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm, uh, yeah, just ready for the weekend. Oh. My weekend starts tomorrow. So. Oh, man. That was pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for hopping on and, and doing the podcast. This is wonderful. I was just telling Anna that how how impressed and blown away I was by the album. It was. Oh, thank you. I didn't know what to expect because I didn't read anything about it. I did. I just kind of wanted to go into it before I, I did any research on you guys. And whoa, I loved. It. I listened to it the other day for the first time with my wife. We were driving somewhere and I put it on and we both just kind of looked at each other like damn this is good and it's not easy to get our tastes to overlap sometimes so you guys managed to be like like Anna said you guys it managed to be the uh, the middle of the Venn diagram <laughs> yeah want that broad audience yeah <laughs> um. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. These are some weird times. And it would have been a lot weirder for my family if we hadn't gotten some therapy. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure about relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try that in person. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. So what I like to do is to find oh. out a little bit about the, your backgrounds, how you guys got to where you are now. And so I wanted to find out, I was, I was asking Aunt Anna a little bit, sorry, I'm going to say Anna every once in a while, so I, I apologize because I've just seen it in print. It's so. all good. I appreciate you even attempting to correct yourself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. I will. And I will try to correct myself. So feel free to call me out on it. That's fine with me. But 
how did you get into music in the first place? Was was there a lot of music growing up in the house? Was there a certain song or artist that really captured your attention that made you think this is something I can do? Um, uh, yeah. Anna, you go first. <laughs> yeah. Well, my short answer is no. Like neither. I mean, <laughs> my dad kind of can play the piano, but he can really only play uh, like the first two bars of taking it to the streets by the Doobie Brothers, and that's it. And <laughs> I, I know. I hope that. I hope you can hear it in your head. <laughs> I am. Yeah, right? I just. That's. It's not going to get out either. It's not. And my mom like had a guitar and would play us little nursery rhymes, but I I didn't come from a particularly musical background. It's just kind of something that I was personally interested in and kind of pursued on my own. Of course, my folks were like always really supportive of me. And, you know, I think we're glad that I probably had some sort of activity to do that was self-motivated. And so they were generous and supportive and, you know, helping me get guitar lessons and have always been generally supportive, um, with that. And so that's kind of my musical background. And even growing up, like, you know, I played in the church choir for a little bit and, um, what else my like high school had, I went to a smaller high school, so there wasn't like a traditional jazz band or anything. It was just kind of like a really weird hodgepodge ensemble that had like, at one point, like, two harps, a saxophone, and then like a bunch of piano players like distributed amongst various mallet instruments and like oh, the violin oh. player attempting to play drums. It was like very interesting. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I ended up going to music school and that kind of, you know, takes me more to a transition between like perhaps a musical upbringing to more of a musical maturation point. But um, okay. yeah, that's probably the takes care of the like early years of my musical journey there on the early years sapphire what about you how did, how did you get into music um yeah I like my immediate family no one played music my mom uh had a piano but she didn't really know how to play it uh, she just kind of always wanted to learn and she i don't know what happened like she retired fairly young and decided to start picking up hobbies and started playing mandolin and got my brother wow. to pick up like a, a fiddle. She was really into like country and folk music. And, uh, so they kind of started doing that, but neither of them really took it that seriously. But I think it was more like she realized this was a good bonding time for her kids. So I had like, I don't remember why I think my best friend, um, who's still my best friend, she, uh, her name is ironically Anna, um, but she <laughs> asked me if I wanted to like learn how to play guitar with her and take lessons. So we took lessons together, which is a terrible idea. I never recommend that for anyone, <laughs> um, but we did. And we were like in sixth grade or something. We were pretty young. Um, and she had like no talent for it. She had like, just couldn't do it. Um, she's really talented in other ways, but um, yeah, for some reason, guitar playing was not it but I decided to kind of keep going with it and I I don't think I kept up with that teacher but I kept just noodling around on the guitar and I found that I prefer just making up parts I don't really like covers I don't like learning other stuff unless I think it's a really cool thing that I want to learn that doesn't happen that often so <laughs> I 
I've never liked learning covers and I would always just kind of write on my own and in my bedroom. And I think my parents, similar to Anna, like they encouraged it because it was like something I could do that was like a healthy outlet and a healthy thing to do. And, um, and it also just like kept me out of trouble. Like my friends in high school started to, you know, get into naughty stuff. And, uh, <laughs> but I would stay home alone in my bedroom, like playing guitar. But then in, uh, I think it was like late middle school, my mom kind of encouraged me to take guitar lessons from this guy who was teaching across the hall with her lessons. And, uh, I said no for a really long time, but then eventually I changed my mind and decided to give it a try. And he was a really fantastic teacher. I should probably like go thank him for all that he taught me. Um, <laughs> haven't kept up with him, but, um, thanks Colin. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he did a really good job and like, he was just a really smart teacher and like I had studied music, studied guitar and, um, encouraged me to be better and taught me so much. And, um, so yeah, that's when I started to get serious about it. And I think he asked me in, uh, late high school, like, what did I want to do for a career? Cause as everyone does, you know, when you're in like oh, yeah. a sophomore year and then senior year, you got to figure it out. Well, I hadn't thought about it yet. And he was like, well, you could pursue music. And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> you can do that. I, yeah. So, so I did, but yeah, I, I too didn't really have music in the household. I have some cousins and aunts and uncles that are professional musicians, but nothing. Okay. They're all in like super classical world, like classical world in New York and like nothing oh. along the lines of what I do. We have, honestly, it's kind of, there are some similarities, but more differences than similarities, I would say. Okay. So yeah, I guess it's in my blood, but it's not in my immediate family. Yeah. <laughs> and I was not expecting it that way. Where did you guys all meet? We met at school. Yeah. Okay. College. Yeah. So where, where did you guys go to college? <laughs> Sorry, Sapphire. <laughs> we went to USC. <laughs> we went to USC. We all okay. went to USC. We were all in their music school and we were all kind of in different programs, but we all met kind of, you know, parties, mutual friends, what have you, you know. What were you guys studying? So Anna, Anna we'll start uh, with you. What, what were you studying? I was actually a guitar performance major for oh, okay. a little bit. Then I, um, yeah. And then I kind of, um, rearranged it to, um, a more general music degree because I wanted to take some recording classes and get hip to things like pro tools. Um, mm. and that was just kind of going to be the thing that allowed me to do that. So yeah, it's okay. been great. Sapphire, what about you? What were you studying? Yeah. We actually both started with the same major. I was also in guitar performance. It was called studio slash jazz guitar. I think that program is now dissolved because it wasn't USC is rad. I, it's such a like, I get embarrassed to admit it that we like went there because it's such a like, no, no to be, to have studied music. But, um, the, there's like the pop program, which is really cool. There's the jazz program, which is really intense. There's like a classical program who doesn't talk to anyone unless you're classical. And then, and then there's studio guitar and we were like the black sheep of music school. And then there's also like the, the industry majors and like the, the sound like perform like, uh, production majors. But, okay. uh, yeah, as far as performance majors go, we were kind of like ignored a lot, um, oh, because we were like geeky guitar players and we like kind of floated between worlds but <laughs> i really enjoyed it and like i mean i had a really rough time of it too but i'm grateful for the experience and um i also like found that i really wanted to learn about production and like took mixing mastering classes on and i were in a lot of those same classes together and like engineering and honestly like a lot of them i audited like and 
people don't think that to do that, but like, I loved auditing classes, just taking them for free and like not getting a grade, but you know, you just show up to class and you learn stuff. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that was really cool. I had some really great teachers that, you know, let me into their classes to teach me that stuff. How did you guys all start playing together? Uh, I think it started with you and Anna, right? And, or was it Rosie and Jesse? I don't even remember. I think it might have been me, Rosie, and Jesse just kind of having a jam. And we kind of had like a couple people come in over time. And then you started showing up. And then we were the four people who kept showing up and then kind of just <laughs> went from there. So it happened organically, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It wasn't, um, I think Liv Slingerland was the other one. I don't know if you know Liv's music, but they're rad and. They also, you know, play music. Okay. I say they because I'm not sure. But um, yeah, the, <laughs> they were at the jam too. And we just, I, I think they kept missing it. And I kept showing up. So then it kind of like solidified after a while. But <laughs> it could have been live. I could have been live. <laughs> How did you pick anyway. the name Gypsum? Well, on that fateful night that we decided to be a band, <laughs> we went to the Natural History Museum, our Museum of Natural History in LA, and uh, it's across the street from our college campus. And uh, we looked at the rock exhibit. Anna, would you like to explain the rest? Yeah, we just, we, I think we could like get into the museum for free with our student IDs and they have this giant rock hall and we just kind of like <laughs> ran around there like hooligans saying the rock <laughs> names until like we found one that worked and that's mm-hmm. kind of how it happened pretty simple yeah, yeah. well th- we're there was like the whole deliberation of like what type of band name should we have and there were some regrettable names that will remain in <laughs> history <laughs> yeah you won't give me one no no <laughs> nice try though <laughs> never i gotta try We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I know. <laughs> At what point did it go from being a just a jam session to you guys playing out as a band? I think, you know, once you start like collecting original material, like that's kind of, at least for me, the point at which it starts to become a band when there's kind of a synthesis that happens, you know, something that wasn't there before. Yeah. And in the early days, like the writing process was a bit more like someone would bring in like Sapphire brought in some pretty fleshed out songs. And then we kind of, you know, augmented the parts to it. And so, and then we all started bringing in little, little riffs, little whatever lyrics, ideas, or we would just jam for like, you know, sometimes just, we would just start and then we would look down and like 20 minutes later we were still playing Um, and that's kind of how a lot of our songs started and we would just get into it and start playing. And so it was very much like kind of an organic synthesis process. How long ago was was this? uh, This must've been in like, um, man, like 2016, 2015. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we kind of let these songs marinate for a long time. Yeah. So my understanding, and you guys, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you guys are playing out, playing shows, and you kind of started to get attention and you got label offers, but you actually ended up turning them down. Yeah. We got one label offer. There was interest in us for stuff. We, I think if, you know, we didn't approach anybody, but I think, you know, all of those, we were in a place where I think we could have like really stepped on the gas 
but I think we decided not to for, you know, our own reasons. And I think it kind of gave us some time to like mature in various ways. And I think that, you know, served us in the record making process just because it is intense. And um, I think we just wanted to always make the best decisions like for the music. And I think that just kind of, we just needed time for that Mm -hmm. to happen. So between that time and the debut album, which just came out in is October, right? That everything mm-hmm. was released. Mm-hmm. Quite a few years, and I know Sapphire, you co-founded Cuffed Up, and you played with Illuminati Hotties. Gypsum still active while you were doing those other bands. Yes. And it is so hard to juggle the three. <laughs> October, everyone released music. Illuminati Hotties put out their album. Uh, Cuffed Up released an EP and Gypsum released our album. And we all had like shows to do. And oh my God, it's like one of the craziest months I've ever had. But it was really fun. <laughs> Yeah, we all made it work, you know? Calendaring is a necessary evil. So, Anna, what, what were you doing in between getting together, playing shows, and then the debut? Were you in the studio? Were you doing more on the technical uh, side? Yeah, so I actually tour front of house is my day job, so okay. that's why I'm so familiar with those venues in D.C., because I've been there. That's how you get my exclusive, yet somewhat... Uh, <laughs> ubiquitous 930 <laughs> club t-shirt that everyone has yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so i mean i started touring too so i would just be like gone half the year doing that and so again calendaring just becomes difficult and yeah. like everyone else in the band like has other bands has other jobs and so it's kind of like when we were in college we had so much time to do it and we really like incubated the music in a way that was really beautiful you know, I honestly think we just had to go through kind of like, you know, learning how to figure out how to like juggle all this stuff while like, you know, learning how to make a living, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened there. What made you guys decide to finally do the debut album for Gypsum? Finally recorded what you've been working on? I think we'd find, we've been approached uh, by the right label. We've been talking about it and, um, you know, the factor of money was really tight. That was kind of a different, difficult subject because we, you know, we really felt strongly that these songs needed to be properly recorded. We didn't want to go like a rough DIY route because I just didn't think that these songs would sound good that way. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good we, point. We spent so much time crafting parts. And like, if you listen to the rhythm section, Jesse and the bass part that Rosie wrote, those parts are so tight and intricate and they were like hours in our rehearsals where Anna and I would just be like sitting there silently while they would figure out some like insanely micro thing that makes it really cool. So we just felt like we wanted it to be recorded properly. And then Sonic Ritual hit up Jesse, Todrick who owns the label hit up Jesse and wanted to make our record. And we felt like the time was right. You know, we wanted to finally have this album and, and he could kind of offer that opportunity 
So we took it. And you self-produced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't really. We talked about um, Sharon Van Etten was kind of in the talks for a little while. Oh, um, nice. She was, she wanted to do it, but we were all like, the timing wasn't right. She was just so busy. I mean, she's like making her work good. Like, calendaring a bit. Yeah, <laughs> calendaring and like, she also acts and like their schedule was just not going to line up with ours. So, but we had also like intended to self-produce it anyway. It was like a fun thing that Sharon Van Etten wanted to. But, you know, before that, we had always thought that we'd self-produce it. So when that kind of didn't work out timing-wise, we were like, well, let's just self-produce it. And honestly, I think I'm really proud of what we did. It sounds incredible. We have enough opinions anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it definitely does not sound like a DIY affair. So it sounds like it was professionally produced. It was... I was like, like I've said several times already, I was really blown away by it. The, uh, the opening follow me to lungs, which I'm going to tell you right now, lungs is my favorite track on the album. That song just kicks some freaking ass. Probably my favorite to play. a little bit of a dirty tone on that one section which you don't tend to do a lot of you, you don't like dry tones you don't do a lot of distortion I didn't learn how to do that until i started playing with cuffed up and illuminati hobbies distortion did not really i was honestly just afraid of it oh really <laughs> <laughs> i was afraid to do it badly so i just didn't really do it in gypsum but uh love it now but yeah um, Mark also, Mark Rains, he engineered it and he did such a brilliant job. We went to his studio in Echo Park and like, he was such a pleasure to work with. We just like felt like it became our home for a little while. Um, oh, that's awesome. It was a really nice experience recording. The trio of the first three songs, Follow Me to Lungs to Go Lake, just absolutely floored me. It was, those songs are th- my three favorite on the album, but... I kind of heard that there's a little story behind Gull Lake. fell into a, the lake <laughs> yeah we went to um rosie's cabin in uh, northern california and it was frozen over the, there was like a small lake that was frozen over and we thought it would be fun to walk on it but none of us come from like climates where you can walk on lakes uh <laughs> commonly and so we did it stupidly and one of us fell in <laughs> um, and Fortunately, we weren't that far out. I think they only fell like waist deep. Um, 
but it was yeah it was really dumb but it was really funny too yeah so, so i'm not gonna find out who that one was either about, uh, yeah some of the lyrics are about that talking about like how the surface is white and the water is black like it's very dark under ice and that's kind of talks about that um, and yeah and the ice kind of formed these like intricate patterns tendrily spirally kind of patterns okay. and it kind of looks like the like axons and dendrites and of like if you look at a nerve cell that's kind of what it looked like so there's a lot of you know metaphor using that i don't <laughs> get a whole lot of lyrics about axons and dendrites mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> not a common theme. So another one of my favorites is Margaret. That song is so, it's so simple, but it's so beautiful. Was it based on a, a poem or inspired by a poem? Yeah, that one was like, um, that one was probably at its core, kind of a me creation. It's kind of like, how would I describe it? Um, like, in, like I, someone sent me a poem and sometimes in poetry, they do this thing like where you kind of, I think you like write in the style of someone after the original author. Okay. And I didn't like write in the style of, but I was like, well, what if I were to like have a conversation with like another piece of another piece of writing? And I was reading Joan Didion's Slouching Toward Bethlehem. And she mm -hmm. has an essay called Notes from a Native Daughter in there. And I was reading that essay and it's, you know, she's somewhat, I don't know, her writing to me is, I feel like I can't ever get to the bottom of it, but that's kind of what compels me to it. And so I was reading that and thinking about that essay. And in that essay, there's a poem, oh, what's it called? I don't know, but basically I'm going to look it up because I'm going <laughs> to die if I don't I can't really type right now, though. I'm going <laughs> to, when Sapphire answers the next sure. question, I'm going to pull up this information. I should right. know off the top of my head. <laughs> but there's a poem in it. And so, like, half the song is, like, basically, like, setting that poem to um, music. Like, the last verse is kind of that. And, like, the first two verses are kind of, like, me having a conversation with myself about, like, the topic of the essay and stuff. So okay. I had like a fun time kind of like asking these questions of myself and you're right. It, it is like a pretty simple chord progression, but I enjoy it. Margaret, did I say the wrong name when you call holding roses at the door? to play and that was a lot of that song is kind of like a studio creation which was like fun to do a lot of the songs that we wrote early in the band have like a lot of sort of musical technique and prowess and like a lot of just kind of like what I call heavy lifting guitar stuff and like music stuff and that was kind of 
how we were pushing the envelope at that time. But Margaret was probably one of the later songs that we wrote. And after during that time, like I had learned how to use Pro Tools and I had learned how to record and learned how to mix, et cetera, et cetera. And so my way of pushing the envelope then was like leaning into more production techniques oh, okay. and thinking about a song through that way. Um, so that's kind of just to speak to a little bit how our writing process has evolved over the years. I'm going to ask Sapphire a question so you can look that up so it's, it doesn't bother you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so Sapphire, how do the songs on the album, the recorded versions compared to the live versions? Because there's a lot of layering and multi-tracking, you know, do they, do the songs sound any different live compared to the recorded versions? I would say a lot of that just comes down to mixing. We didn't add like a million guitar parts. I know that sometimes it sounds lush, but yeah, believe it or not, a lot of the times it's really still just two guitars. Um, wow. Pull off most of it live. The ones that were more produced like Margaret, those, you know, those are a little trickier, but there's stuff that we tried to like incorporate like all the reversed um, kind of affected stuff that that stuff at the end when it's kind of like a swell of noise and sound and stuff. And Margaret Anna made that, you know, that was like something that they had intentionally crafted and like took all of the pieces that we recorded, reversed them, sent them through a tape delay in the studio and then took it home and built it out in a really cool way. So that stuff, that stuff is a little bit harder to recreate. You know, the, the in-house production stuff is a little harder to manufacture live, but most of these songs we wrote together in a room and are raw enough to, to play. I I'd say maybe give it is an example of one that's just like very live sounding and sounds really similar. comes down to mixing oh. um, the video for give it yeah. almost made me cry because i have like three thousand cds and so when i saw <laughs> the all the cds getting smashed I was, oh there goes my <laughs> they but, were all blank cds <laughs> <laughs> but you guys saved them at the end it was beautiful <laughs> so um so yeah. <laughs> how is the band comprised now is is rosie still working with you guys or is are you a trio at this point we're a trio right now okay. rosie left the band some time ago but we're a trio right now and enjoying it so and, anna you played the, yeah. you played bass <laughs> in the studio was that something you're, you're familiar with yeah, I mean, back to my like weird ensemble in high school, <laughs> I played a lot of bass, so okay. I I'm familiar with the bass. It was it was fun to learn the bass parts. I mean, after recording that record, I was like, oh, I actually I enjoy playing bass. I I bought a new bass uh, recently, so I, yeah. Are you gonna be doing that it. live, or is it, are you gonna be adding somebody on bass duty? No, we 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 have someone on bass duty. Oh, yeah. excellent. All right, so it's not a permanent change. How many? songs did you guys have prepared in the studio i mean is so there's 10 tracks on the album right yeah 10 we have exactly 10 songs <laughs> that no more no there's less. maybe like well, there's maybe less. like 
we have some others that maybe were in the rotation at one point or maybe half done that didn't make the cut. Um, but we kind of went in there, 10 songs prepared that are, were done and we recorded those 10 songs and they all made it onto the record. So we were very exacting in that we like, don't really waste a second in that. Well, that, it also yeah. sounds like you guys put a lot of effort into, into writing. Mm-hmm. Making sure it's exactly what you want. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of time, a lot of years, <laughs> yeah. years in the making. It's it's like not uncommon for us to like have a part or like even a measure or like a hit in a measure and to just like talk about it for like forty five minutes. Like <laughs> n- nothing goes unscrutinized. It's kind of a <laughs> did you guys do a lot of experimenting really in the studio? Cool. With, with like different instruments? We did um, some. Uh, not a ton, because we, we took a really long time dialing in tones when we were doing our stuff and uh, that, and like we'd change up drum kits and stuff like that. So that stuff was very time consuming and we started to run out of time. Fortunately, our label was gracious enough to give us a few more days in the studio. And on the last day, we basically had like a half day where everything was done and we just messed around with what was in the studio. We tried some synths, we tried some other stuff, but honestly, everything was already pretty dense. It kind of didn't need the extra bits. And I feel like if you do that stuff, you can't, I don't know. I, I've always found it can't be forced. It has to like be in the moment, like, Oh, I'm just going to hit this triangle and it works or it doesn't. But if you're like trying to cram in a bunch of clever things, you know, in like a three to four hour period, it's not as uh, maybe natural. Right. I think. Well, yeah, that makes sense. The other angle I think is worth mentioning is that like we put so much time and thought and effort into our parts and we all kind of had in our head how we like wanted to hear them. So we spent like, yeah, like Sapphire said all our time, like baking into the session originally, like, you know, this is exactly how we want this to sound tone wise. And so when we like kind of had an idea, a lot of the times I feel like it just like couldn't hold its own against like the ideas and the parts and the sounds that we had already thought through. And so it was like as much when you get into the studio, you kind of want to touch everything. (laughs) You want to see what it sounds like. And I feel like every time we did that, it often like wasn't fruitful because it was just like everything else was like so matured it just like didn't make sense to like sprinkle all this stuff in uh-huh. just because it was fun. At least that was kind of my experience, especially with a lot of the synths we tried to add at the end of the day, I feel like we kind of had to admit, like we don't play, we don't play the piano. You guys yeah. are the synth <laughs> <laughs> It like didn't make sense to add like a synth pad just because there was a Juno you know, like, because our guitar parts and our drum parts were so like inspired, it just was so obvious that we were like noobs to the synthesizers. (laughs) (laughs) It was honestly, I think there were a lot of songs where like we would add a pad and then like later we just like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's another thing that the drumming is just incredible on it. The musicianship on the whole album is just, amazing it's so great are you guys going to be touring in the uh, new year we don't have any plans to tour right now we tend to like you know take things organically so i think we put a lot of time and energy into the record you know this past year and a half and yeah 
we've kind of turned our attention to like the other projects that we have, but like, you know, we never say never, whatever happens organically. I think we're just kind of waiting to see like what feels right for us. Well, maybe we can get you out to the 930 club or black cat or something. Um, that would be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can people pick up the album and follow you guys on social media to keep track of you? You can stream us wherever you stream music. Yeah, stream us wherever you stream music. We have a record. We just got the vinyl, so you can order that on fatbeats.com is our distributor, so you can get the vinyl through uh, Fat Beats. Uh, if you really want a CD, we have some. You would have to like hit us up on email or DM us, but I'm more than happy to mail those to whoever wants one. Oh, yeah, I might be hitting you is- up for that. Great. <laughs> but yeah, we have our music is accessible on the internet if you look it up. And if you want a vinyl, you can make an order for that. Uh, They're beautiful. How uh, how can people follow you? What are the social media accounts? Just uh, get us on really? the Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is kind of the only one that we do now. We do have randomly a lot of our more Facebook followers, but uh, <laughs> that's not use Facebook anymore. Um, yeah, that's for so old people. We, you can find us on Instagram at gypsum underscore. So G Y P S U M and then underscore. Y'all, you'll see pictures of us on there. Goofy stuff. My, uh, actually, I'll show you this. I was just looking at it to make sure that I remembered the uh, handle. My boyfriend made this, which I think is oh, man. Oh, I love that. That, that is like so the best cool. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. That is like music. I love it. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, so he made that for fun. That is awesome. <laughs> and I'm Wait, a... before we go, yeah. I have to say that the poem is called Spring and Fall by Gerard Manley Hopkins. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, we got it in. Excellent. <laughs> well, guys, I thank you so much for spending this time with me. It's been a blast. I seriously, it's one of my favorite albums so far. I know we're kind of early into 2022, but it's seriously one of the best things I've heard so far this year. And I can foresee it going through the rest of the year that way. So I'm in love with the album. Thank you. And thank you for the great conversation. This was a great, great thing. This was all that I
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 